The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Nia Spicer is a registered nurse specializing in labor and delivery and cardiac nursing and also the owner of Fembiotics. Fembiotics is a women's health company that offers natural solutions to optimize vaginal health and pH balance. Fembiotics is designed to provide women with natural alternatives to balance vaginal pH and maintain healthy vaginal flora. Their mission is to help women find peace and balance with their vaginal pH and flora while providing sustainable solutions for bacterial vaginosis, yeast infections, and urinary tract infections. Nia's goal is to educate women and rebuild their confidence by implementing holistic yet scientific-based solutions. Family, let's welcome Nia to the Minding My Black Business podcast. Welcome, welcome to Minding My Black Business. Business. Okay, family, welcome to another episode of the Minding My Black Business podcast. And we have such a special guest with us today. We have Nia Spicer. And so I am so excited to talk to her. Um, this is going to be a really different topic, um, but very much connected to, our, to health um, as it relates to business building. So we're about to get into it. Um, so welcome, Nia, to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Janae. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad that you could join us. Now, can you introduce yourself to the family and then let them know where they can find you? Sure. So my name is Nia Spicer. Um, I'm a registered nurse and owner of a company called Symbiotics. And you can find us on the web. We're at www symbiotic that's p-h-e-m-b-i-o-t-i-c.com and we're also on instagram facebook pinterest and youtube as well at symbiotics with an s at the end okay fantastic so what we'll do is we will definitely have all that information in the show notes so if you listen to this now you can click on one of those links so that you can get connected with nia um so uh, I'm going to kind of start from the beginning. So my mom is a nurse, so I'm always so excited to talk to fellow nurses. <laughs> and so I saw that you were um, a registered nurse by training, um, but and specifically in the areas of like labor and delivery and um, cardiac nursing. And yes. so this is kind of an offhand question, but it's we'll we'll make it connect and you I think you'll see where I'm going. So what did you what did you as a professional witness in terms of our care or the care that we received as it relates to the black community, specifically in those areas? Because I know that there's been a lot of talk um about yes. black maternal health and then you know in terms of women and heart disease. So what did you notice in terms of the treatment we received? Um from professionals? This is really a great question. Um, It's one that I uh, like to focus on because what people don't realize is that women of color, both black and Latina, are dying at exponential rates when it comes to childbirth. Mm -hmm. And so anything that happens to a woman in the first year after her pregnancy um, is considered related to, 
maternal childbirth um, health. So the CDC looks at those statistics. um, And that's one of the goals. And it's currently one of the goals at the place where I work is to decrease, you know, um, minority maternal health um, deaths. However, we don't have those issues where I work, thankfully, but, you know, it is like a national goal uh, because it's a recognized issue. And I noticed that a lot of people in Congress are now trying to address it more often. Mm -hmm. And so I think the real cause of this, from my experience, is the lack of insurance. Mm. Um, And let's say not just the lack of coverage, but the lack of quality coverage, because Mm -hmm. when we think about insurance, people think, you know, if you don't have insurance, you could get Obamacare or you could get Medicaid. And that's true, but there's still a lot of people out there without insurance. And when it comes to the world of pregnancy, by the time that you've applied for Medicaid, emergency Medicaid, and you get that Medicaid, you could be well into your second and third trimester without having any prenatal care, which is going to predict in the long term, you know, how your pregnancy ends up because we're missing issues that come up nowadays, like gestational diabetes Uh and pregnancy-induced hypertension. And especially in the black community, we have a lot of issues when it comes to hypertension, pregnant or not. Mm-hmm. And so um, these are issues that are not being addressed in a timely fashion, or we're experiencing a lot of people with noncompliance, mm-hmm. because in this society, we currently still have a lot of issues with um, people of color trusting uh, medical professionals that don't look like them. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, that profession is skewed, and most of the people who are in medical care are of the Caucasian persuasion. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of clients that don't feel comfortable, you know, right. talking to someone about their health that doesn't look like them. And then they're less likely to be compliant with their treatment plans. Oh, my goodness. You just gave us a whole good lecture. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you pointed out, like, some very good points. I think, so there is a part in terms of, like, as the client or as the patient, um, that there are things that you, you know, that you are obligated to do to ensure your own health. Um, but there is very much things that are within the system of healthcare that sort of make it difficult to feel comfortable to even do that or even ask questions on your own behalf. Like, I know that that's something that as therapists, I've heard other therapists talk about this too, that we try to get our clients to do, like say they need to take medication or we think it's time for them to talk with someone about medication, like getting them to be an advocate for themselves. Yeah. it's, it's, it's something um, a challenge it's a challenge yeah. you know mental health especially in the black community is a big deal right. and people don't want they don't want the help you know they they don't realize the importance or how medications can help them right um, and you know I'm I'm a naturalist so I'm all about the whole holistic remedies but then I'm also a realist mm-hmm. and I understand that sometimes you need medical intervention and some things that you're doing you know naturally may not assist with the problem and you need, may need some additional help Right. Well, I think, you know, I think that we kind of think of any sort of treatment, whether that's um, being a naturalist or going to a physician's office or even coming into a therapist's office. Sometimes we Mm -hmm. treat that, I think, in the same way we do other service providers, like when we take our car in and get work, like we just drop it off and then (laughs) they they fix it and then we drive away feeling better. And so... Um, the idea don't of, do the work. Right. The idea that you can come armed with your own questions um, or mm-hmm. concerns or that you can even leave that professional and go to another one. Like, I don't think that that's something that yeah. we talk about much that you can actually you actually drive the boat. You don't have to sit and take something, especially if you're feeling exactly. Like yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. And the thing is, though, sometimes your options are limited. We do have such insurances like Medicaid. There's 
limited providers who take that kind of insurance. You know, it's not a requirement that everybody has to take it. Right. And so some providers, especially the ones that um, are more prestigious and like have a better reputation, don't want to take that, ins- that insurance. Mm-hmm. And so you're left with some limited options, especially again, in the world of OB women's health, because less people want to deal with women and childbirth and babies because of the risk. Mm. And when you get into even further specialties like high risk maternal fetal care, you find even less specialists. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's all kinds of obstacles. Um, first of all, yeah. getting, getting access to the insurance, and then once you get on the insurance, being able to find someone that feels competent to handle your your given situation. Whew. Yes, the quality provider. Right. You know, um, Right. It's unfortunate that people get treated differently when they have Medicaid because the, the reality of the situation is that Medicaid's still paying. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they, right. May not right. Pay, right. they may not pay as much as private insurance, but they still pay. Right. So, you know, it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did, so you having that, you know, the medical background and now you have transitioned into entrepreneurship. How did that happen? How did entrepreneurship find you? So originally, um, my profession was in public health. Hmm. And I always knew I was passionate about the care of other people and helping people reach their health goals. And prevention is my number one thing. Mm -hmm. And so I became a nurse hoping to work in public health. um, And it's kind of challenging in this society. We focus more on acute care and tertiary medicine as opposed to preventative um, Mm -hmm. primary care medicine. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I felt like I was like unfulfilled in my current position. Right. And so I was like, okay, well, what would I do? You know, being that I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, what would I do? Like, what would be the business that I would start? And I just couldn't figure it out. Like, I was like, oh, it'll come later down the line, you know, whatever. And then um, I developed chronic vaginal infections, yeast, BV, UTIs, and I just kept getting them. And I was like, wait a minute, this cannot be life. Mm, <laughs> I'm like, real, yeah. you know, how many women are afflicted with these issues? And once I started to do more research and find out how more common it was and that, you know, women of color, especially are the ones afflicted with these issues. And it's like, no one cares, mm. you know? And I'm like, this can't be, this isn't fair. Right. And I felt like I had to figure out a solution to that. And so I worked really hard for two years to develop my product line um, with a lot of research behind it to figure out what was going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what led me to entrepreneurship. Once I found the solution for myself, I was like, I got to share this with other people. I can't just keep it to myself. Right. And we appreciate you for that. <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think that you have witnessed um, about women's health? And what I mean specifically is how well do you think women entrepreneurs are doing in terms of addressing their own um, health in a preventative way? Well, I think, you know, women, we definitely don't put ourselves first. Mm. Um, You know, we often leave ourselves in the back burner and we put our families first, our careers first, you know, a lot of other things that should be second nature to our own health. Because if you don't have health, you have nothing. Right. You can't go to work. You can't take care of your family. You can't take care of yourself if you're not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen a lot of female entrepreneurs, myself included, you know, put their health in the back burner while they focus on career driven goals um, and building their businesses. So I think we need to figure out how to take some time for ourselves um, and do some restoration, relaxation, you know, have a day where you just don't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't put anything on your schedule and you just kick your feet up, 
watch some TV and stare at your toes. Yeah. So from, from your perspective, what do you think um, is the root of that? Like, why do we do that? <laughs> why do we put the world in front of ourselves in terms of our own health um, and well-being? That's a really great question. Uh, I think that society-driven, you know, there's always been that stigma about women can't do and can't do this and can't have a career and can't have a family. And, you know, we're juggling all these balls trying to keep up with society, the pressure of society to do well mm-hmm. and to, you know, rise above those stigmas. And I think that, you know, that, that also in turn turns into these like monster machines where we just are, you know, goal-oriented and focused and then trying to multitask all at the same time and almost trying to compete and say you can do it better than a man, you know? Mm-hmm. Mhm. That's a good point. You know, I um, I'm trying to think. It was I can't remember if this is an article I read or maybe it was a post I saw on social media. But I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. even the way that we we as in a larger society, so everybody tends to think about women's roles and particularly those who maybe have just had children or coming back into the workforce, and so the expectation is that they will they'll have to balance it. So they'll ask some questions like, oh, I know what it was. Somebody was asked, somebody asked, I think it was one of the, it was either Tia or Tamari Maori, when she was coming back after Mm -hmm. having her most recent child, um, how is she going to balance or something like that? And so she said, that's interesting that you asked me that because I don't think anybody has ever asked my husband about balancing because the implication is that she's going to take care of her family and work. Like, you didn't ask him that. That's a really good point. (laughs) That uh, is true, you know. <laughs> yeah, so don't ask the man what they're gonna do. Right, right. How are you gonna manage daycare and go? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So I think the expectation is there, and then part of it is, uh, unfortunately, we get we we can manage doing lots of things at lots of times. Now that doesn't mean we should be doing that, but um, that's the other part of it. We kind of learn those skills early on, and they kind of go with us. Um, and right. so how, how do you think sort of even going a layer further as it relates to like vaginal health? Because that's the nature of your business. How well do you think we do in terms of uh, preventative care or even regular um, checkups and check-ins um, as it relates to our gynecological health? Oh, poor. Very poor. poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um, it's unfortunate. The, the stats, I mean, if you look at the CDC, every single health problem that has to deal with women, black people outnumber their white counterparts. Mm. Our compliance rates are horrible. Mm-hmm. Every year we should be doing an annual women's well, well women's exam. Mm. So that's when, you know, the physician is going to check your breast for any new lumps that may have developed. Um, you know, if you're over 45, you're going to get your mammogram. Mm-hmm. You know, they're also going to do a pelvic exam. They basically, they usually swab for gonorrhea chlamydia, which black women suffer from at a higher rate. And then they do a pelvic um, exam where they do a pap smear as well um, mm-hmm. every three years, provided that a choice has been normal for the last, for everyone. And so the compliance rates are horrible. Mm-hmm. You don't see women of color seeking care at regular rates. You know, sometimes they'll say they haven't had pap smear in years. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the statistics about breast cancer and ovarian cancer and, you know, fibroids, we outnumber our white counterparts in every single area. Mm. and it's lack of prevention mm-hmm. it's the diet it's the you know excessive weight gain it's not taking care of yourself and doing these preventive so that things can be caught early because of the out 
convert poor when you wait so long, you know? And so that's something that we need to focus more on. And I actually did a, our summer, the summer started um, with symbiotics about telling women about the mid-year check-ins. And at this point, and if you haven't done it, then you need to put on your calendar to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, like, cause I'm curious now, how do you, cause I would imagine that there is a level of stigma connected to your own vaginal health as there is with mental health. I mean, in different ways, but stigma nonetheless in terms of, because I've seen, um, you know, some folks in terms of their social media that happen to be, um, you know, those professionals who are, who are wanting want women to do like the well women checkups, they'll sort of give you things to check out for as it relates to like, are you feeling more tired or is there any discharge or, you know, just these sort of things to sort of um, gauge with, because I think these are conversations that as black women, we don't necessarily have with each other um, for fear of, well, I don't know if what I'm doing or what's going on for me and my body is okay. Or, you know, that sort of thing. I don't want to, be labeled in some sort of way, which I think is probably some of the same conversations mm-hmm. people have around mental health. Um, do you do you think that that's yeah, something that's absolutely. that's happening for us that we're sort of trapped in this stigma around talking about our own bodies? I do, I do. I mean, I think it's just not a stigma just for Black women, but all women in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that area is like a very private, you know, thing, and people feel like if there's something that's not right, people are going to think, you know, there's something wrong with them, or they're going to think, oh, I have an STD. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a challenge um, on a daily basis with our business, and then the media portrayal of, you know, vaginal health stigma as well is really big, and so you hear a lot of, um, you know, urban culture rappers and artists mm-hmm. talking about vaginal health, and they're always referring to, you know women's vaginas smelling loud, like catfish and stinking. And, you know, there's a lot of negative connotation. And the sad thing is, again, that it is our people who are suffering from these issues the most, and they were not the ones getting help for it. And so, you know, yes, that may be true, but what are we doing to promote people to get help? You know what I mean? Instead of just talking negatively about them and their issues and not realizing this is a medical problem. You know, people are suffering from this. And this person may have had it addressed and tried to get it fixed, but the, the reality is the recidivism rate is really high. Up to mm-hmm. 50% of women experience bacterial vaginosis um, several more times, and it's difficult to get rid of. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. That created like five more questions, but I'm going to stay focused. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> I'm thinking about what it means to sort of walk around with that shame, because that's essentially what, what yep. you're saying is that um, whether that's in, you know, TVs, reality TVs, or in music, or whatever, there's oftentimes a male voice um, shaming yeah. female bodies, black female bodies, um, and so um, that leads to a whole nother conversation, but I'm going to stay focused, so <laughs> I'm going to have to bring that <laughs> so we can have that conversation, so, <laughs> but um, in what ways do you think that shame might be connected to the mental health of these black women entrepreneurs? Shame is a big connection. I mean, in terms of vaginal health, this is why people don't seek care. I mean, I'm not sure. I think probably you know about Brene Brown as a mental health professional yeah. um, and her work on shame and guilt Absolutely. and, you know, about that level of vulnerability. So it's kind of like you have to go through these stages, right? So first you go through that denial stage where like, I don't have a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want anybody to know because I might have a problem that I just haven't felt like dealing with yet. 
And then you go through the stage of dealing with the problem and then you feel guilty because you feel like it's your fault, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that in turn affects a lot of women's confidence mm-hmm. and their feelings and thoughts of a, and abilities to be able to move into the realm of entrepreneurship to say, okay, I have this problem, but this is not, you know, all of me and who I am and it doesn't complete me or make me who I am. Right. And I'm going to work on this problem, but also I'm not going to let it stop me from pursuing my goals. Absolutely. And I think where, you know, you see this happen the most and what is most affecting is people's, you know, romantic relationships, because they may feel like I have to stay in this relationship because if I, you know, have this problem, then I'm not going to be able to meet anybody new mm. that's going to still love me or care about right. me, you know, right. or treat me with respect because I have this issue. Um, you know, it prevents people from starting relationships if they're not already in one who may feel like this person's going to judge me if they find out that I have this problem. Right. You know, I mean, it's a lot of confidence issues. It leads to depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of anxiety and mental anguish about honestly, you know, using public facilities, um, you know, because you're worried about if someone's going to notice that you have a problem, you know, mm-hmm. if they come into the bathroom after you. I mean, there's a lot of things that people don't think about. And that's why I say, you know, no one cares and they don't think that this is important, but it really does affect women on a multifactorial level, you know, right. and there's that's a lot of things that go into this. Right. So it's not just, oh, you have a vaginal health issue, but no, this thing is affecting my life, you know, right. Right. it's taking over. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, so let's say for my listeners, there is someone who has said, yes, yes, Nia is speaking to me. These are the things <laughs> that I have struggled with. And right. um, what can I do? How can they reach out to you? What sorts of things? Or maybe they are... Uh, for lack of a better word, hesitant or shy about sort of making that uh, connection with uh, a medical uh, professional or what what sort of tips can you give them? They feeling really amped up. They're feeling a little educated by what we've just talked about. They, they want to reach out to you or another medical professional. What would you suggest? For right. Them? Well, I um, offer complete 100% free consultation. Mm-hmm. We'll sit down and we'll do a phone consultation where we'll talk about your health issues. Um, you'll tell me about your symptoms, what you've been experiencing. And then we can talk about what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not able to diagnose because I am a nurse, but some, most people who have these issues, they've had them for a long time. They've been diagnosed. They know what it is. You know, they know that they keep getting the same problem. Mm-hmm. And so we can talk about some solutions um, that we have for you, as well as other things you can do to make some lifestyle changes that may assist you as well. Mm. Um, and, and I always encourage, again, people to go and see their practitioner, practitioner or PA, whoever it is that you see um, in, in regards to your health problems. Don't just think like, I'm going to just go to the store and pick up some, you know, something from CVS or Walgreens or whatever and think that that's going to, you know, fix the problem. Make sure that it's been addressed, that, you know, you have been diagnosed and that it's not right. something else because sometimes things like, you know, BV can um or things that look like BV can actually be something else, like trichomoniasis, which is an STD, which you would be treatment for, uh-huh. you know, or you could have like pelvic inflammatory disease. So you want to make sure that whatever it is you think you have, that is really what you have, you know. Right. Um, and again, like I said, we do free consultations where it's not just about, you know, what products you're using. It's really a lifestyle change. And people have to understand that uh-huh. things such as diet and exercise, take a large toll on your body, stress, Mm -hmm. you know, those things are really important. And people, they put, you know, they look past those things and think, oh, I can just look at that on the back burner. But no, it's really one of the forefront and something that's a priority that needs to be addressed if you think you're going to get healthy. Absolutely. Ooh. 
This has been fantastic. <laughs> this has been fantastic. And so, Nia, I must ask you before we wrap up, what does minding my Black business mean to you? I think that minding my Black business means supporting other businesses who are run by Black women or Black people in general. Um, and then just understanding that there is a path to entrepreneurship for all people of color. Whether or not we think of it that way, you know, there's something out there for all of us mm-hmm. and we don't have to be crabs in a barrel, mm-hmm. which I often see, um, you know, there is space for everyone and we don't all have to do the same thing. It doesn't have to be limited to certain professions, whether it's beauty or, you know, uh, male care, like barbership and whatnot. Like there's so many things you can do as a black um, entrepreneur mm-hmm. that we have to expand our horizons and make room for every every area you know to yeah. expand on that i love that you're right because we are a talented group of people <laughs> absolutely we have many talents yes. you know we need to put them to work yeah nia thank you so much for all these gems that you dropped for us today <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Janae. It's been up to, like so amazing and so wonderful. I'm so happy that I got to talk about some things that I'm really passionate about, and I hope that I, you know, affect change in someone else's life in a positive way, and that something from this podcast they were able to take away and say, you know, that I really learned something from that, and I think I might implement that into my life as well. Absolutely, I think that's definitely going to happen for sure. <laughs> so, if you want to know more and you like what you heard, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. Also, follow the movement on our website, MindingMyBlackBusiness.com, and on our Facebook and Instagram pages, under Minding My Black Business, and on Twitter, under Minding My Black Biz. So peace and blessings to us all, family. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, let them know that you're minding my black business.